great. Right, so I um, think we're good to go. Yeah. I'm uh, okay. So, hey, everyone, I'm here with uh, Alexis from Hackersploit, and we decided to actually uh, do um, a sort of like a discussion. We're going to call it, uh, I think we're going to call it a cyber talk. And, um, and this, uh, we're probably going to make a series out of it. And in this cyber talk, we're actually going to discuss or answer some of your questions. We're going to start with a couple of questions uh, in this video. And then as we progress uh, and do more videos, uh, you're going to keep on or you're going to be able to um, answer or ask us questions uh, through a Google form. And um, we're going to tackle each of your questions. So if this is your first time here, um, I think the best, the best way to go about it is to actually just uh, have a few words, sort of an introduction for uh, each of us. Um, and I'm gonna start, uh, I'm gonna actually take the lead. Yeah. So um, I've been in InfoSec, so I'm kind of new to the InfoSec field, I would say, because I've only been I've only been doing this for like less than two years, sort of like two years. And uh, my current uh, main interest is in web application penetration testing. And to be more specific, not only penetration testing as a job in of itself, but also what I started doing most recently is, uh, is bug hunting, which is really frustrating, but is, uh, it's also really motivating at the same time. So maybe we'll get into that uh, later on in the discussion. So uh, without further ado, I'll, uh, I'll let Alexis uh, take the lead here. Um, yep. So thank you very much for introducing this, uh, this new series. And uh, yeah, so uh, getting into my sort of my background and uh, and what I've been doing lately uh, so first of all uh, I've been in the infosec industry for about five years more specifically about four years professionally working as a network penetration tester so that's uh, that's primarily my my area of focus and my expertise uh, in in regards to what I've been doing lately I've uh, mostly been focusing on uh, malware analysis reverse engineering and working with uh, binaries in the Linux kernel and sort of uh, experimenting with uh, with assembly and C and sort of working on, on the system or the kernel level. So that's uh, primarily what I've been up to so far. And uh, yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. Seems we're like, uh, we're gonna be able to cover a larger uh, area of questions, not only uh, like web penetration testing, but also reverse engineering and uh, that stuff really interesting that I want to go into at some point, but I think, uh, I think it requires a lot of, a lot of effort. And it's like, to me, actually right now it's intimidating. Okay. So, um, why are we actually doing this type of cyber talk? Uh, there are so before we get into the questions out we want to actually uh, set the motivation for why we're doing this so first of all um, on each of our uh, discord servers and on all social media there are a lot of you guys who actually want to get into infosec and don't know how to start so uh, this is something that we're going to try to uh, address with these cyber talks 
Um, and um, there are at the same time a lot of questions, not necessarily beginner level, uh, which are sort of more like technical, which require answer. And uh, of course, there is a lot of beginner stuff. I mean, everybody wants to get into it, but in terms of materials for intermediate and advanced people, and in terms of questions and expertise, there's not much that has been addressed so far. So we might wanna, we'll probably wanna get more into this and actually answer some of your questions. Uh, because uh, maybe this session, this first session is gonna be more like general knowledge, more like covering, uh, I don't know, a more abstract perspective of uh, what we're gonna do, but uh, maybe in, um, in future videos, we're gonna be become really specific and address like uh, technical stuff. So, um, like I said, uh, we've posted a Google form uh, where you can ask the questions, and we've posted uh, these. Uh, we've posted this form uh, onto our uh, social media. I mean, onto Discord, and there there have been quite a few questions, and we've selected. Uh, We've selected some of them for this uh, first video. So the first one um, is, uh, or the first one asks, what is your favorite free tool for implementing the CI-CD pipeline to help the developers produce secure code? This is not giving you a ton, load of false positives. So I'm actually gonna let you Alexis address this one because it's more like, your area of expertise. Um, yeah, so this is a, it's a fairly simple question with, I, I think, a straightforward answer. So uh, for, for, for those of you who are new to, to what this is, uh, CICD essentially stands for Continuous Integration and Continuous Development. It's sort of like a development workflow that is used by developers all around the world to, again, push or uh, uh, to, to essentially implement the methodology of continuous integration and continuous delivery. So. Uh, continuous integration is uh, the, the process of um, developing software uh, where, uh, where we have all developers working on the project. Are, uh, they are they're able to merge their code into one central repository and then they can view the changes that they've all made. Uh, and that's the, the whole idea behind that. Now, in regards to continuous, um, continuous delivery, again, this is just the process of automating builds and updates. Uh, on a frequent basis, so you can set it up on a daily basis or on a weekly basis. So again, it's just a development um, philosophy that again many developers now, nowadays use. And I'm guessing this is more in uh, the the question was was more in uh, in tune with uh, actually uh, the the actual free or open source tools that you can use this. And of course, to answer the question, one of the best tools that I think is available right now that is absolutely free is GitLab. Um, and also Jenkins. So you can definitely check those two out. Uh, they also really help, uh, you know, with the implementation of security developers because uh, they're, they're sort of able to view all the builds, the latest builds that are being pushed by devs and uh, the various code changes. So again, it's, uh, it's, it's very, very straightforward implementing uh, secure code uh, using GitLab and Jenkins. So yeah, that's pretty much all that I wanted to say about that. Okay, so I think it's uh, the, uh, the next question is a follow-up to this one, which says, 
What is your advice to help developers understand the need for security already in the development process? Yeah, uh, this has been a, a sort of a big question over the last uh, two years where you've seen the, uh, the advent or the, the increase in, um, in the popularity of bug bounties. Uh, and, and sort of that, that, that's one approach that, uh, that many companies have taken with their products, whether they be web apps or desktop applications. So just to give uh, the audience a bit of a premise here, secure coding is essentially a development practice that uh, involves developing applications with security in mind at, during the development process. And again, if you, if you take the, uh, the example of the earlier question or the answer to the earlier question, uh, you can see how that fits in with uh, continuous integration and continuous deployment or uh, or that type of philosophy. So uh, again, uh, the whole big question is uh, the importance of security for developers, right? So, or uh, rather the importance uh, for that. So uh, again, uh, depending on the development philosophy that you choose to use, uh, this can be looked at in sort of various ways. However, uh, I'll explain why it's important uh, nowadays, especially if you are considering um, using this um, or implementing secure code for your project. So first of all, uh, there has been a huge increase in the number of software vulnerabilities and bugs that are being exploited. Uh, so again, if you take a look at these statistics, for every new web application or mobile app or desktop application, uh, you're going to get a lot, the application is going to get scrutinized a whole lot more than, uh, you know, than it was uh, in previous years. And that's because, again, of the rise or the, uh, the increase in the number of people uh, getting into InfoSec and actually testing out uh, these pieces of software. So that's one of the importances of implementing secure code and why developers should take it seriously. Uh, secondly, uh, a large amount of these vulnerabilities are usually caused by mistakes during the development process or coding mistakes. So again, understanding that, uh, that there is a, a, a new aspect or a paradigm like a secure coding will again help you prevent uh, you know, these common misconfigurations. So again, uh, having a good understanding of secure coding practices for whatever languages or frameworks you plan to use, I think that's, uh, that's very, very important. Um, and thirdly, uh, it's much cheaper to integrate uh, secure coding or it's much cheaper to use secure coding as opposed to sort of a reactive approach to security where you fix bugs uh, when, when they're reported uh, instead, of, um, instead of actually uh, taking a look at them uh, more, cl uh, more closely and uh, taking a look at the vulnerabilities within the development process. So again, it's, it's much, much cheaper to, to approach security that way. So those are pretty much the, the three points I would point uh, out to any developer who is interested in secure coding and is wondering why it's so important right now. Awesome answer. So uh, are you actually implementing or actually, or are you actually doing secure code, code, secure, secure code review in your practice, like right now? Um, at the moment, uh, not really. I was part of a team earlier on, I think in 2017, and that was primarily my job. But again, uh, it's very new to developers because even when you take a look at uh, these coding boot camps and where, wherever developers are learning right now, uh, it's something that's rarely even touched upon or covered. And then, you know, they go to, they want to work for startups and they develop an application that's like seriously vulnerable and they, 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 uh, they're unaware of like common vulnerabilities with code because these frameworks and languages do have inherent vulnerabilities and you need to actually 
ensure that you're developing around them. So yeah, it's uh, it's something that's very very uh, it's it's very new for developers, but again, it's increasingly important. Yeah, I definitely concur. So uh, even if you would uh, look for materials on Secure Code Review, there there are like really there's a scant. There are only few of them. Uh, I've been interested uh, in secure coding myself, and uh, there's, uh, from what I know or from what I found, there's at least one platform where you can learn this interactively, and that's, uh, I think it's Secure Code Warrior. But in terms of courses and stuff like that, or books, uh, there aren't as many books on secure code or on developing uh, code securely as there are like, for example, for penetration testing or other some sort of uh, different approach like the blue team type of stuff. So uh, this is this is going to be an emerging field. Uh, and uh, of course, there's going to be a lot of need for people to actually become uh, not only developers actually learning how to uh, securely develop code, but also people who can do code review in terms of security. Yeah, and uh, I think just adding on to that, um, I think it's also uh, proven a point that uh, we have hackers now or infosec professionals who are actually better at reviewing code for security vulnerabilities than developers themselves. And that's, again, why bug bounties are so popular now. They do a much better job than developers themselves. So, yeah, it that's is great. a rising field in whatever uh, platform uh, you're talking about. So. Yeah, really, really uh, good field now. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. So it says, I'm finding hack the box machines hard as I know, uh, as I know what's the vulnerability, but I can't find a way into the system. How can I improve my skills to become able to access these machines? Okay, so uh, for a lot of people just starting with hack the box, uh, some of the machines might seem really hard uh, and uh, the distribution, I think there are always at least 20 active machines on the platform that you can hack on without having a VIP or another type of subs subscription. So uh, these, out of these 20 machines, maybe just a couple of them are really beginner. And uh, if, uh, if you don't know, or if you're just starting out with practicing like hack the box and similar, platforms it might be intimidating and I assume that uh, this uh, fellow who asked the question might be in that situation so I would actually say in this case that um, if you're finding uh, the machines hard you should probably take a step back and I wouldn't I would say that you could move away from hack the box for a little while so you could move into uh, into machines from Volnhub, even though you'd have to install them and uh, actually have them running on your system with VirtualBox or VMware, and actually take easy, very easy machines from Volnhub, install them on your system, and try to approach those machines first. And if you're not able to actually approach those machines, uh, since you have a lot of walkthroughs for machines on Volnhub, you should actually peek but just a slight peek into the walkthrough and then uh, that if you're getting stuck. 
so that you can get unstuck and move forward. And uh, try to do that for a couple of machines until, until you actually feel that you're learning something. Because whenever you're working on a machine, it's like a discovery process, especially if you're new to this. So uh, you're actually probably gonna learn a lot during uh, the exploitation of uh, those machines from Volnhub. So once you get a few machines on Volnhub, I would say that you could start moving into the machines from Hack the Box without any, for, for the free machines on Hack the Box and try to approach the easier ones. And I'm more than positive that um, you'll be able to actually do better than uh, the first time you approached them. Do you have to, something to add to this? Uh, yeah. To this question. I, I think um, I think the, the the whole idea or the uh, we we get a ton of these questions, especially much more uh, over the last few uh, months, uh, because Hack the Box has got extremely popular. Uh, and for some reason, I, I think many students find themselves, you know, really wanting to actually prove themselves on the platform, which is weird. Uh, you know, they can be like two months in and they already feel uh, the need to, to have uh, serious skills there. So I think what's happening is it, it becomes very intimidating, which should not be the case because Hack the Box, again, might be, uh, it might have boxes that, uh, again, as you said, some are very simple and then uh, the... Uh, the, the, the actual increase in the skill level is something that you, you can't really predetermine. So you're more likely to get an easy box, you solve that box and then you find, oh, let me move on to this one. And that one is extremely difficult and you, that, that sort of throws you off. So again, just coming back to what you said, I think Volnub is the best uh, starting point for anyone who wants to get into this because you can sort of control your environment and learning uh, and the uh, so sort of the learning environment. So. Uh, setting up your own labs again is, is great knowledge that I think everyone should have first of all and that will give you an idea of how to, to to actually set up a proper virtualized environment so you know in the future you can sort of expand on that um, secondly uh, as you as you uh, pointed out uh, with Volnub you have tons of boxes uh, they're completely free you can try them as many times as you want whenever you want and uh, you can sort of control the skill level. So you can try out the easy ones, sort of build your methodology, see where you're making mistakes or where you have gaps in your knowledge. And then you can sort of build on from there and build a solid foundation instead of jumping into Hack the Box uh, without any uh, knowledge or, you know, with very little knowledge. So I think, yeah, that there's very good points you pointed out. Um, I think for anyone getting started, don't dive into Hack the Box immediately. Now you could have, uh, very good skill level and that might be fine for you but uh, for I think beginners start off with Volnub and then you know move your way uh, up the ladder uh, slowly and uh, uh, and you you'll get there yeah so uh, probably a lot of people might be tempted into jumping into hack the box because it's uh, it's everything it's an all-in-one platform or framework you have the competition there you have a lot of people there you have everything in there you have the ips you don't actually have to install anything so that might be a good thing and it also might be a bad thing because if you're going to get to volnhub uh, you actually have to take the machine yourself. Uh, you have to install VirtualBox or VMware, try to figure out how to build that uh, virtualized environment. And in some, in some situations, it's not as straightforward as it might seem because uh, there have been uh, 
I remember a particular scenario when it actually took me a couple of hours until I was able to finally get the machine up and running so I could start hacking into it. Uh, so uh, along, I've learned a lot along that process, which is a good thing. So that's something that you wouldn't have on, um, on uh, Hack the Box, for example. But anyway, so the, the main point is that you could start with very easy machines on uh, Bonehub and then move from there uh, towards Hack the Box. Okay, so let's go to the next one, which says, so the next question says, what are the best tools for web pen testing? Are they pre-installed in Kelly Linux? Okay, so want to take this, uh, Alexis? Um, yeah, so I usually have um, just a list of tools. I'll, I'll just give you a simple list that I of the tools that I really enjoy using or the tools that I always find myself using. The first one is, of course, going to be Burp Suite. Um, it, it really doesn't matter whether you have the community edition or the professional edition. I think the pro edition just comes in handy when you're actually starting to get really into uh, web uh, web app pen testing and and essentially analyzing the application a whole lot more. Uh, the other tool I like using is uh, Nikto, which is uh, you know uh, to actually test web applications for some common vulnerabilities. That's usually what it's very good for. And then of course when dealing with uh, CMSs, then you have a WordPress Scan and Joom Scan for Joomla. Uh, so again, this just helps you identify common misconfigurations and vulnerabilities within uh, content management systems. They also give you additional functionality, like allowing you to sort of brute force. But again, that's something that will not be the case a majority of the time. Um, talking about brute forcing uh, and word lists, uh, I like using the set lists, which I'm sure many of you are already familiar with. That pretty much have everything that you need to get started and obviously to move on. Um, as for the other tools, uh, uh, let's talk about fuzzing because uh, that's also something I'll get a lot of questions about. Uh, for that, I usually just stick to WFuzz uh, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, that usually uh, is very good at identifying uh, various vulnerabilities, uh, whether it's file inclusion and stuff like that. So that's what I use for fuzzing. And of course, uh, when talking about auditing, uh, I think Wapiti or uh, one of those uh, auditing uh, frameworks, really, really uh, in-depth frameworks that you can actually use to, to sort of understand the uh, the structure of the web application, how it was built, and to, uh, to essentially audit the code. So those are usually the tools that I find myself uh, coming to a lot. Now, I, I'm not into web app pen testing professionally, but uh, those, those are the tools I find myself using uh, a lot of the time. Okay, um, so yeah, let me actually give my twist, like simplified on this one. So I, mm -hmm. I would be really, I should be really specific and uh, talk only in terms of, uh, let's say, bug bounties, since I've been doing, uh, uh, since I recently started doing that. And for bug bounties, of course, my favorite as well is Burp, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but then again, um, Right now, uh, since I don't have too much expertise and I'm learning, I'm focusing a lot on the recon process. So in terms of the recon process, there, there are quite a few tools, but I'm on, only mention maybe a bunch of them because I don't know, there, there's way too many. And I've also started uh, like developing my own. Uh, so 
I would say that some of the basic tools in Bag Bounty are in recon. In the recon process are, of course, uh, Sublister, uh, their search. So I've seen that not, not uh, too many people counterintuitively use, like, for example, Derb or even Derbuster or even GoBuster, mm-hmm. but uh, they started using uh, more like their searcher or their search which is a really, really powerful tool for actually brute forcing web directories. And on top of that, uh, there's, uh, there's this amazing tool by uh, Naham Sack, which is called Lazy Recon. And it actually uses like a bunch of tools, maybe 10 or so, or 10 or 15 tools, and it automates a lot of the recon process. Of course, uh, at points uh, during this, uh, during the when you get the output from the lazy recon you you actually have to go in there yourself and test manually but i would say uh lazy recon is like good if uh, you know what you're doing or if you know what it does under the hood because otherwise you wouldn't be learning anything so um i would say to give a suggestion that you should use a lazy recon, for example, or a domain by uh, Jason Haddix, mm-hmm. uh, but try to understand how these tools actually work and then try to integrate yourself into the process and try to actually manually test to double check or to uh, eliminate false positives. So yeah, these are kind of, uh, uh, these are kind of, uh, some of the tools that I'm actually using mostly right now. There are others and I don't know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a video uh, specifically to that if, uh, or about that if you guys are interested. Yeah, that, that'll be great. Okay, so let's actually move to the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last question from you guys. So, um, it says, I have a bachelor's in computer science and I wish to pursue a master's in cybersecurity. How can I find a job in cybersecurity? So I'm not really, I don't actually quite understand the flow of this, uh, of this question, but uh, let me see what I can actually make of it. So my twist would be that, uh, so you have a bachelor's in computer science and you wish to pursue a master's degree. How can you find a job? So over other people that wish to do the same thing to find a job in cybersecurity, I would say that you have an advantage having graduated computer science because there are a lot of people in cybersecurity, including myself, who do not have a uh, computer science degree. So I have a master's in uh, uh, civil engineering, so it's construction engineering. It's still a technical field, but it's totally different than uh, computer science. So I would say that you have an advantage uh, having graduated computer science uh, and it should be quite easy for you to start learning stuff such as or start getting more advanced into stuff uh, such as networking. Um, And if you want to do, for example, pen testing, I would suggest and I've been talking a lot about this in a couple of my videos uh, recently. Uh, you should learn that uh, if you want to get into pen testing, you should learn about the penetration testing methodology and then uh, start practicing on platforms that we, we've just mentioned here, like uh, 
uh, Vault Hub and Hack the Box, which some of these platforms, I mean, just a couple of years ago, they have not been available. So if you would have to be, if you would be wanting to learn something hands-on, it would be really difficult unless you would actually build your own site to test or yeah. I don't know, test on live targets, which is never uh, uh, a good thing to do. So uh, you have platforms such as Hack the Box, Bone Hub, and there are many others like Try Hack Me, Attack Defense Labs, which I talked about uh, in, uh, in a couple of my videos. So uh, that's how you should go about it. Decide. So uh, decide what you wanna do in the field of cybersecurity, like for example, penetration testing. If you want to do penetration testing, learn the penetration testing methodology, start becoming, uh, start practicing, start having hands-on experience, and then to uh, actually get closer to a job in the field, you should showcase, or you should, uh, yeah, you should actually showcase what you're doing on those platforms. Like for example, if you're doing a machine on BoneHub, after you've done it, you could actually write a walkthrough on Medium or some other platforms and post about it. Um, and then that's how you actually show that you really did uh, what you did. But you could also just copy some other people's as a, a walkthrough, but uh, you're not actually, you're just kidding yourself because when you're, when you're gonna be in front of the uh, interviewer, uh, you won't be able to actually show your skills. So it's, uh, you have to be completely honest with yourself here. So as you actually interact and as you post walkthroughs and interact with people in the field, there are a lot of opportunities right now. So to get a job in, to get a job in cybersecurity is much, I would say much easier than some people think because there's a very big demand in the field right now and there's a shortage of a workforce. So like job opportunities are all over the place are on LinkedIn or on Discord or on Twitter, uh, all the social media. I mean, you could find maybe you could find jobs on Reddit. I don't know. Uh, on Stack Overflow, for example, and maybe, uh, Maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll talk specifically about jobs in a future video. But uh, the bottom line is that as you interact and as you know more people in the field uh, by interacting with them uh, on different platforms, uh, I'm really sure that uh, opportunities will pop up if you're ready for them. Yeah, so that's my twist. Uh, do you have to, uh, something to add to this, uh, Alexis? Uh, yeah, I, th I think it's it's very interesting uh, what you pointed out. Uh, uh, in my personal opinion, I've I've actually worked with both. Um, so people who had uh, CS degrees uh, beforehand and people who didn't have. And I can tell you, like one thing's for sure, guys who have uh, CS degrees usually like like they've they've got the fundamentals down. Like you can talk to them about networking or Linux, and they they, they really need to know very very little more to actually get started. So, so I think that's one of the advantages of coming from a CS background is you have a great knowledge of TCP, the OSI model, uh, Linux, and working with operating systems and also programming and scripting. So again, for them, I think picking, off, uh, picking up uh, the fundamentals will be something very, very uh, simple, relatively simple. And then, as you said, I think they, they, need, they need to get their hands dirty. So actually getting started with the uh, pen testing workflows 
just just understanding the various stages of pen testing and then working through them. Um, so I think that's very important. And then uh, in, of a, on, on a general level, I think they need to have an idea of what they actually want to do in cybersecurity. So whether they want to get into pen testing, uh, web app pen testing, uh, reverse engineering. So having a just just a general idea of that, so that they can sort of build their skill set around that. But uh, I think you you, you covered the uh, the points very very well there. I think um, what I would say is again, get your hands dirty. Just uh, experience what it's like, um, and of course, you will find what you like doing within cybersecurity, and then you can build your skill set on top of that. Awesome. Okay. So um, I guess uh, I guess this is a wrap for uh, today's discussion session to, for today's uh, cyber talk, and this was more sort of like a generalist or uh, abstract or higher level. Um, and um, in uh, future sessions, uh, we will probably get into more technical. Uh, stuff if you guys want that so uh, just uh, you'll have you'll not only have the form to ask uh, questions in the description of these uh, of this video but you also have it posted on our discord servers so um, in future sessions we uh, we might uh, we might focus on stuff uh, such as uh, certifications for example or how to get jobs which is a uh, which is a really hot question right now uh, and we'll probably we could get more specific like sort of like a timeline from newbie or to, yeah. from someone who wants to get into the field to actually get a job and we could discuss pointers on this uh, we could also uh, discuss about what you can do in cybersecurity because there, this is a very large field and you can be, there are a lot of uh, specializations in cybersecurity. We could also talk about platforms uh, uh, that you practice, that you can practice uh, your skills and grow your skills. Uh, we'll also probably talk about courses, um, what books to read uh, and stuff like that. And we could also do some walkthroughs for challenges if, uh, if this sounds interesting to you, Alexis, so I don't know. We'll see um, how yeah. it goes. I think it's, uh, we, we can cover a wide variety of topics here. And as you said, we can have uh, some episodes focused on a particular topic, like certifications, jobs. Uh, so we can have uh, you know, uh, episodes structured and tailored towards those type of questions. And again, we can sort of mix it up, uh, focusing on more technical questions, walkthroughs, live sessions. Uh, so again, there, there, there's a huge scope as to what we can cover here, and it'll, it'll all, it all depends on, I think, the feedback that you guys give us. So yeah, very, very exciting. Uh, we hope to make this a weekly, uh, weekly affair, weekly episodes, and I, I think we can, uh, we can really have some, some good, uh, share some good knowledge here, and uh, we can really improve, uh, I think, the, the, the overall uh, knowledge and uh, of, of this particular, uh, of these particular audiences. Awesome. Yeah. So guys, uh, find the Google form where you can uh, ask questions in the description of this video. And of course, uh, you'll also find links to all of our uh, social media stuff in the description uh, of this video. And uh, I guess uh, uh, that's a wrap for today's first episode. So uh, yeah. 
All right. Yeah. Thanks a lot for watching. Uh, again, if you have any uh, comments or questions, you can post them in the comment section. And again, your questions, uh, if you have any, can be posted in the Google Forms that you can find in the description. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for this episode. And uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. Alexis, thank you. And uh, cheer, guys. Bye. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, I'll be seeing you in the next episode.